Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Are you tired of endlessly searching for work, applying for jobs, and never hearing back? Job openings vanishing into thin air? What if with just one connection, you could link with dozens of companies that are hiring? What if that connection was a locally owned business ready to help without charging a fee? Express Employment Professionals is your one connection. Go to ExpressPros.com. With endless opportunities, it's time to try something new in your job search. Let Express Employment Professionals help you start at ExpressPros.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. I gotta say, I like talking to you early in the morning on the show. One of the downsides of talking to you early in the morning on the show is sometimes I fall asleep before games end. And uh, even with the television on, you know, in my bedroom watching the game last night between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Portland Trailblazers, I fell asleep. Television goes off. It's got a timer on it. And then uh, I wake up. And my phone has exploded, and I'm like, I don't even know what happened. Because, like you, I'm curious what percentage of you were still awake around 1.15 Eastern who are now up listening to us when Damian Lillard hit one of the most remarkable shots in NBA history. Let's not, let's not be prisoners of the moment, but to wipe out a series opponent and to do it against a team that had talked as much trash on the court as Russell Westbrook's Oklahoma City Thunder have, and to do it in a fashion from 36 or 37 feet, well defended, to hit 50, Damian Lillard was flat out unconscious. And that shot will echo for a very long time in NBA lore. Now, I understand it was just the first round of the NBA playoffs, and it wasn't even like it was a Game 7 or something of that nature. But still, given the difficulty and given the fact that it left him with a round 50 and completed a 15-point comeback, that shot is really pretty remarkable. So I know that most of you, even as big of fans as you are, missed the dynamics on the West Coast last night, particularly right now if you are East Coasters. If you're West Coasters, you may not have gone to bed after those shots yet and you're listening to us right now because it's a little bit bit after 3 a.m. for you. But we also had a lot of drama in Game 7 of the uh, NHL Stanley Cup Finals with the San Jose Sharks storming back in controversial fashion to win 
We'll get into all that. We got a loaded show for you. It's the eve of the NFL draft. Appreciate all of you spending your Wednesday morning with us. But first, let's get the live reaction. If you were watching this on television, I think we got the television reaction to Lillard's shot. Then we got the radio reaction. Let's go to television first. Lillard, a chance to send the thunder home. Lillard, long range three. So Portland comes undone on that shot by Damian Lillard. I got to be honest with you, and we're going to hear a bunch of different versions and reactions to uh, to that shot that he made. I watched a lot of this series, and in partly it was Russell Westbrook refusing to respond to media and his antics on the court. But I found Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers to be incredibly likable, and. Russell Westbrook and the Oklahoma City Thunder to be incredibly unlikable in this series. Sometimes it's not just how you play, it's who you're playing against that can elevate your overall uh, likability. We saw this years and years ago, what I think the best thing that ever happened to Michael Jordan was the fact that he got to play against the Pistons, and the Pistons were thoroughly unlikable. So initially when they were beating the Bulls, if you were a casual basketball fan, Jordan and the Bulls were much more likable back in the late 80s, early 90s than the Detroit Pistons were. And I think that branded Michael Jordan in the years ahead as a really likable guy because not just that he was, but also in comparison to the Detroit Pistons, he seemed like an even better dude. And I think that's what's happened with Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. Now, they need to go on and win more than one series in the playoffs in order to kind of take that next step. But this was a huge part uh, of taking that next step for them. I believe we have the radio call, which I haven't even heard yet, but I'm told is phenomenal. Game into the front court. Ten seconds. Lillard now out front against George. Five seconds. George backing up. Lillard doesn't want to pick. Dame going for the win. A three-pointer for the game. I mean, Paul George reacted afterwards. Let's get that next. And said this is a bad shot. But I do think that Lillard's shot is very emblematic of the modern-day NBA. Old-school NBA, iconic game-winning shot is what? It's Jordan driving in, pulling up, hanging in the air for longer than Craig Elo can, and draining a jumper to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, it is somebody going to the basket. It's even Jordan. I think Jordan, iconically, you think of him a lot for game-winning shots. Starting to go to the basket, getting Brian Russell, pushing off, stepping back, hitting the jumper to win game six in 1998. New style game-winning shots, this is it. This is what all the kids watch. They watch Steph Curry hit at insane contested three, and this Dame Lillard insane contested three is going to be incredibly iconic. And the difference between those shots is you can try to defend somebody as they drive to the basket. I'm not really sure what else Paul George can do here. I mean, I mean that honestly. I mean, he is all over this shot. And what you have oftentimes is guys have become so skilled in the NBA that they're bad shot makers. Now, I guess you can argue, hey, George should have been up on him even closer. The problem is that allows Lillard to potentially drive by him. It also sets up the possibility of a foul uh, if he gets any closer to him. I really don't know what else Paul George could have done in that situation. He was asked about it after the game. I mean, that's a bad shot. I care what anybody says. That's a bad shot. Uh, But, hey, he made it. That story won't be told. It was a bad shot. Um, We live with that. Uh, and what Russell Westbrook, I believe, did he also finally talk to the media? Uh, here is Russell Westbrook after the game, after he was just eliminated in the first round for the third straight year. The Oklahoma City Thunder, since Kevin Durant left, now 0-9 on the road in the playoffs. They are 4-12 and overall in the 16 playoff games they have played since uh, since Kevin Durant left for uh, the Warriors. Here is Russell Westbrook establishing himself once more 
as a guy that you can't root for and, frankly, probably don't even like. Yeah, Barry Trammell with the Oklahoma. Russell, you guys played so well in the fourth quarter to take back control of the game. What do you think went wrong that there in the last three or four minutes? Uh, not really sure. So at least Russell Westbrook said something other than next question. And credit to Barry Trammell for continuing to ask, uh, ask uh, questions. But isn't that a question you'd like to hear an answer to? Uh, I, I think so. I mean, to Paul George's credit, it was a bad shot, and he hit it. And there's not anything else you can say. By the way, Lillard waving goodbye to the Oklahoma City Thunder bench. Pretty phenomenal reaction. If he had rocked the baby, I think Russell Westbrook would have to retire from the NBA. Here is uh, Damian Lillard reacting to a big-time shot. The series was over. You know, that was it. And um, I was just waving goodbye to him. And after game three, you know, they Dennis Schroeder was out there pointing to his wrist. They was out there doing all these celebrations and doing all this stuff, and we kept our composure. After one win, that was what they decided to do. And we was just like, okay, what we want to do is win four games. And then when, those, when we win those four games, it's not going to be nothing to talk about. So that's what that was. That is just deadly uh, in his response. And if you watched game three in this series, when the Oklahoma City Thunder won at home, First of all, you got Paul George on the breakaway dunk, which is a, a, a pretty big no-no in the NBA to score like he did. I can't even remember if they counted that basket or not. Um, and uh, and the reactions from Westbrook after uh, the shots that he hit, and then ultimately, to me, this is a uh, this is a time this is a loss probably where the Oklahoma City Thunder have to sit back and question everything about uh, about the direction of their franchise. I mean, Kevin Durant got a lot of questions when he decided to bail on Oklahoma City and go join the Warriors. He's now seeking his third straight NBA championship since making that decision. Now, maybe the Warriors are going to have a bigger challenge, probably will beat the uh, LA Clippers tonight uh, to get into the second round. And I think, by the way, the Trailblazers have a very good chance to beat. It looks like they're going to play the Denver Nuggets in uh, in the second round and that most of the NBA uh, brackets are going to uh, to set up exactly as you would anticipate that they would. And so uh, I think the Portland Trailblazers have a decent chance to advance to the uh, to the Western Conference Finals, which would get them into the Final Four, which would really, to me, that's where you really start getting recognized by the larger nation, right? When you get to that Western Conference Finals and there's only four teams left and you got the Eastern Conference <clears throat> one night, and the Western Conference the next night all the way through, that's when a lot of people start to pay attention to the NBA playoffs. And uh, Lillard, I think, is a guy who can become very likable uh, when he gets in front of and on a stage of that magnitude. But in order to do that, you have to beat either the Nuggets or the Spurs. And uh, I still think it's unlikely that the Portland Trailblazers will be able to make a run against the, the Houston Rockets or the Golden State Warriors, whoever emerges from the other side of that bracket. Uh, but it is a uh, it is a possibility based on the way as good as C.J. McCollum and as good as Damian Lillard are both playing right now that their ceiling could be a lot higher than uh, than most people anticipated. But on the flip side, I think if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, what do you do? You've given huge money to Paul George. You've got him committed. You've given huge money to Russell Westbrook. But what you are doing is clearly not working. You are 0-9 in all of your games since Kevin Durant left on the road in the NBA playoffs. You are just 4-12 and overall, all with first-round exits. One win, two wins, one win, I believe, is the math on that. And you're not an awful franchise, certainly. But you're almost in that strange region in the NBA where – it's hard to see how you get much better than you are right now. And it's also hard to see how you get substantially worse. You're a team that's good enough to make the playoffs and never good enough to win a series once you get there. Now, maybe if the Golden State Warriors kind of recalibrate and uh, and end up uh, breaking up that franchise, that could change things. If Kevin Durant leaves and goes back to the Eastern Conference, who knows what might happen. But even if that occurs, the challenge, I think, for the Oklahoma City Thunder is you're not losing to the Warriors. 
you're losing to the teams that aren't good enough to lose to the Warriors, but are good enough to beat you and beat you pretty soundly because you're four and twelve in the postseason since Kevin Durant left. What's going to change for Oklahoma City that's going to change their trajectory at the end of the season when they actually get to the playoffs? I don't know, but I do know that Russell Westbrook's attitude can't be that good and that there is a lot of drama in Oklahoma City that is uh, that is likely to not be abated by the way this series ended. But if you're a Portland Trailblazer fan, long-suffering, this is about as good as it gets in your life as a Trailblazer fan, going back, really, if you go back a long way, you could get back into the 70s, but going back into the 90s, I guess the Clyde Drexler era um, and uh, and everything that was happening on a positive level with Portland there. So congratulations to the Trailblazers. Uh, we come back. I'll bring in the crew. We'll react. We'll also talk about a controversial ending. Game 7, Vegas Golden Knights go down to the San Jose Sharks. Again, both late night West Coast uh, action. Game 7 in uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. First round. One more seven, Game 7 coming up uh, tomorrow, tonight, sorry, between the Carolina Hurricanes and, uh, and the Washington Capitals. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Kumo tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports see their kumo test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be I'm an incredible athlete. Very yeah. few people who do national radio could do what I just did. I feel Go like- down two flights of stairs, <laughs> get a breakfast bar, 
check out the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal front pages and managed to run all the way back upstairs just in time for the start of my second hour of the show and be able to just keep talking with, I mean, I know Damian Lillard hit a big shot last night, but let's not undersell how incredible my ability to uh, to go downstairs, two flights of stairs, run back up, and talk immediately really is in the grand scheme of things. Hashtag Travis Strong. And yeah. I feel like this is a missed opportunity right now from our sales department. At this time, every single morning, I don't know, it could be like a protein bar, maybe a gym, something like that, sponsoring this segment. The fact that we don't have like a morning breakfast bar or a coffee company or some breakfast company spending millions of dollars on this show continues to amaze me when these companies find out about your heroics on the stairs that's true it, we might be sold out well i mean i think m drive you know look i mean they were aware of what an incredible athlete i was and they were like can you imagine what this man will be capable of if he takes our supplements too <laughs> and the answer is i'll be able to run upstairs get back in time for the start of hour two with a breakfast bar in my hand and and people don't even know that i'm out of breath that's how much of an athlete I am. It's rare you get to hear from a great athlete like me and Damian Lillard. So uh, Damian Lillard last night, if you are just waking up, as many people I think on the East Coast probably are, certainly in the Central Time Zone, maybe also in the Mountain Time Zone, what percentage, let's start here. Let's First of all, let's play it because I think there's lots of people who are not going to have been awake last night when this iconic shot happened. So let's go through, let's play the, uh, which do you think is the best call, the radio or the TV? Ooh. It's a toss-up. Just pick one, and we'll play the other one to start hour three. So here is what happened last night, if you missed it. Tie game. Damian Lillard's got the ball in his hands. Paul George is defending him. This is what it sounded like. Damian's in the front court. Ten seconds. Lillard now in front against George. Five seconds. George backing up. Lillard doesn't want to pick. Dame going for the win. A three-pointer for the game. That is Brian Wheeler for the Portland Trailblazers radio network. That was a 37-foot jumper in case you missed it. Uh, for the walk-off, he then waved to the Oklahoma City Thunder bench. Uh, I said in hour one, if he had rocked the baby right after hitting that, I think that Russell Westbrook would have had to retire because he would have been dead. Uh, Paul George was asked about that shot uh, after the game. He said it's a bad shot, and honestly it was. But sometimes bad shots go in, especially – when the guy shooting it is Damian Lillard and the shot that he made made him a nice round 50 on the night. Here's what it sounded like. I mean, that's a bad, bad shot. I care what anybody says. That's a bad shot. Uh, but, hey, he made it. That story won't be told that it was a bad shot. We um, live with that. So that walk-off shot is going to be living in NBA lore for a very long time. And uh, first of all, let's go to this. What percentage of our audience do you think was watching Damian Lillard's shot live? Ooh. 20%? I'm going to say 30%. I think most people were in bed. Uh, what do you think, Dub? What percentage of our audience do you think was awake when that shot was made? Were you watching live? Were you still awake? Well, I was so disgusted by my spurs, I had to go to bed early. Yeah. But uh, I think probably 20 25%, yeah. Yeah, what about you, uh, Eddie Garcia? What percentage do you think we're actually up watching it live? I'm going to say like 15%. I mean, a small. Roberto, what would you go? 20. Yeah, I mean, it's tough if you're on – because we have a huge audience on the East Coast, and as people are waking up, I think the percentage of people who watched it live is growing. But that shot went down at what, like 1 a.m. Uh, on the uh, on the west on the East Coast? So, and it was the fourth NBA game of the night. So, even if you're a big NBA fan – you could have gotten a lot of NBA action. Now, the games weren't very good uh, in the first uh, three games. You had to wait for the late-night game. But it led to me asking the question, iconic shots, where does this one rank? I said the most iconic shot that I think of in the NBA is Jordan in 98 over Brian Russell after the pushback. To me, that's where Michael Jordan's basketball career ended. Sixth championship, posing there in Salt Lake City uh, on that jumper. Now, I said I think of the Bryce Drew shot, then we talked to Johnny uh, Oddshark, to John Campbell, and he's like, yeah, the Christian Leitner shot. I'm going to revise my, uh, my, my thoughts because I do think uh, that, that a lot, when you think of the NCAA tournament, it's tough to top that Leitner shot. And, uh, and, and the Bryce Drew shot is, uh, is, is also a very iconic one. 
but uh, but I think I probably have thought over the years more about the Leitner shot. Um, so I want to ask you guys, where do you think the Dame Lillard shot ranks, and how would you, as you kind of assess the overall status of that shot, how would you put it in the pantheon with other shots that you think of? So I'll start with you, Danny G. Yeah. What shot in the NBA or college, just give me one, do okay. you think of as the most iconic that comes to your mind when you think of a winning shot? Well, if you wouldn't mind, I'll give you two quick ones, one from the East Coast and one for the West Coast. In 99, that famous three-point shot and foul inside Madison Square Garden, Grandmama, remember Larry Johnson? He had to step up big in Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Finals because Ewing was out injured. Antonio Davis goes for that pump fake, fouls Johnson on his three-pointer with uh, like 10 seconds left. They're celebrating. He's running on the court, but then he stops, tells his teammates, like, get away from me because he realizes he still needs to drain that important free throw. Finishes the four-point play. The Knicks win, and I think about it sometimes, that iconic camera shot the visual of the uh, Madison Square Garden crowd all rising at the same time, and the the cameras were shaking. It was like there was an earthquake. That was when the Knicks were actually good. (laughs) Yes. Which has been Uh, literally 20 years. And then for the West Coast, 2004, Game 5, NBA Western Conference semifinals between the Lakers and, sorry, Dub, your Spurs. Lakers uh, have the ball down by one point after that incredible Tim Duncan shot. Just 0.4 seconds on the clock, 0.4, and then basketball fans all remember what happens after that. One of the craziest shots in NBA history, Derek Fisher, D-Fish, comes up huge with that catch and hurries that shot. And to this day, everyone plays that and plays it back. Like, did he really get that off his fingertips in time? Yeah. And then, of course, the famous shot of him running off the court afterwards. Uh, What about you, Dub? What comes to mind? Well, I'll tell you one thing. The Derek Fisher shot comes to mind. It'll be 15 (laughs) years on May 4th, I believe, and I still have nightmares about that one. And then here's my other one, which also gives me just about equal nightmares, is the Ray Allen Game 6, 2012 NBA Finals in the corner. Bosch tips it out to him. We know what happens next. The Spurs, 28 seconds away from title number 5. They did get their revenge the next year. But in college, the shot that comes to mind for me actually – is one that didn't go in. It's the Gordon Hayward half-court buzzer beater yeah, that I nearly guess, banked in to yeah. beat Duke. So when you when you first said college, for me, that was the first shot that came to my mind, even though he didn't even make the shot. Yeah, that would have been, I mean, the all-time iconic shot if he had made that to uh, to win for Butler against Duke uh, back in, God, I don't know, it was like 2008. I can't even remember what year that was uh, when Coach K and Duke got that win over Butler to win the national championship. Uh, what about you, Eddie? Uh, any particular shot that comes to mind or shots that come to mind in iconic fashion as I believe this uh, Damian Lillard shot will come to be known for many people in the NBA? Well, I believe you said actually watching the game live, not on like uh, you know, a highlight. Uh, yeah, right. Like you, had, you, you had to be sitting there like, like most of us uh, who are listening to the show right now did not see the Lillard shot live. And frankly, most kids definitely didn't. Uh, because uh, because of how late that was. Whereas I think when you're younger, it tends to have more of an impression. Maybe it's not a surprise that my shots that I remember are 20 years old, more so than recent. Uh, but what about you? Well, I got to go with with your uh, two picks as well. It was Leitner for sure, if you're just talking any buzzer beater of any kind. Uh, but for the NBA, it would be Michael Jordan over Brian Russell. And I thought Elo, the shot over Elo, was probably for some reason a little more iconic. It seems like, but I didn't watch that live, so yeah. I would go with your two picks as well. I mean that that shot became iconic because I think it was the moment when people realized yeah. Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan, and so in retrospect, and also it's just a uh, it's an iconic shot, you know, because hanging like that and Elo jumping up and challenging it, and then not being able to hang in the air for as long. But I think that was the Michael Jordan is going to be Michael Jordan. Uh, and, uh, and and so that shot kind of for many people represented that. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, that was one of the years that the Bulls lost to the uh, – still lost to the Pistons, right? I mean, that was not a, uh, a championship winning shot or even a shot that put him into the NBA Finals. I think that was like a semifinals uh, in, the, uh, in the NBA's Eastern Conference, if I'm not mistaken. What about you, Roberto? What comes to mind for you in that scenario? Oh, man, this one's easy for me. It was game four of the 2002 Western Conference Finals. The Lakers had just got smashed at home in game three. It was also Memorial Day weekend, so I was at my parents' vacation getaway house in Rosarito Beach. 
Game four starts, and the Lakers are steamrolled in the first half. I remember being so drunk. I was probably high, too. <laughs> oh, At halftime, I go for a walk on the beach, and I think I was begging God for the Lakers to come back. I think I even promised to stop smoking weed. <laughs> so in the second half, Lakers come back little by little, chipping away at the lead. Lakers are down 99-97 with possession of the ball and time running out. Kobe drives, misses. Shaq misses the putback. Oh, I'm dying. Vlade tips the ball to Ori, and Ori drills the three for the win. Ori Ori misses that shot, and the Lakers' dynasty three-peat ends there, man. Big shot, Was that the Tim Tim Donahue? uh, Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you asked God for help, and he gave you Tim Donahue? Yeah, that was game six. Game six, Donahue came. Yeah, That's Donahue right. came through. So did you stop smoking weed? Uh, actually, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, so you you let down God. Yeah, I did. And Tyus Edney, too. Can't forget that one. Coast to yeah, coast. Yeah, Tyus Edney, coast to coast against Missouri, I think. Poor Missouri fans. Um, that, was, uh, that was iconic as well. All right, should we go to people's calls on this, or should we just go ahead and do the anonymous mailbag? What do you guys think? Hmm... There is a lot we of got a feedback few on, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me go ahead and we'll take some calls here. Uh, who we got, Dub? All right, we got Kevin in Texas. Kevin in Texas, what you got for me? I mean, is go, this just not? Go ahead, Kevin. This is why. There he is. Yeah. I'm just going to contradict Roberto there. I remember. I just when Robert Ori <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, that was phenomenal. You weren't ready to go. You have awful cell phone reception. Nobody can understand what you're saying. Solid <laughs> debut by Kevin there. Do these people sound normal when you talk to them, Dub? Oh, you you, you would not be like, able to understand them at all. Make the from, show my, from my from my ears. From your perspective, you think, oh, this person is definitely going to make the show better, and then we go to them to set off the callers for the day, and like it's just like I don't know, you're fumbling with your seatbelt. You finally get on, and like you have no ability to actually speak. Let's give think? Gary an Indiana <laughs> shot. Yeah, Gary in Indiana. What's up? Hey, uh, 2011, IU, 2011, 20, IU versus Kentucky. Buzzer beater by Christian Wofford was the greatest, show, greatest shot I ever saw personally. Thanks for the call. My son is six weeks old in my arms. Oh, yeah. I don't even and remember I, that, that shot. that shot goes in, I yell. And it was great. Uh, 2011, Kentucky, Indiana. I don't. I have no recollection of that game at all. I thought he was going to say he rushed the Me court with his baby yeah, with son. Yeah, six-week old. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That would have been funny. Uh, who's up next, Dub? All right, last one. We got Sam in Alabama. Sam, what's up? What's up, brother? Hey, easy, man. Archie Diacono to Christian for the national title. Yeah, that was just uh, that was just relatively recently, um, right? I mean, that was a uh, that was a, a hell of a shot. I mean, again, I think for me, the shots that I think of tend to be when I was younger, as opposed to the ones that happen when I'm an adult. Now, if you're a fan of a particular team, that changes uh, because there are uh, there are certainly plays in football that happen relatively recently. Where you know, for instance, I'm a Tennessee fan, and I think of the uh, the throw into the end zone a couple of years ago at Georgia for the you know Hail Mary completed touchdown pass to walk off there. Um, but uh, and, and I was obviously an adult then, but a lot of them are things that you think of from when you were a kid. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield 
with wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Toyo tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports to see their toyo test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I have a bullet and strict respect to my face. And you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. Now, I know it was a tough moment if you're an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Or if you are a Vegas Golden Knights fan last night with the ways your teams were eliminated. Also, if you happen to be in Canada and it's been 26 years since your country won the Stanley Cup, going to be another year uh, because the Toronto Maple Leafs got eliminated. But all of that pales in comparison to this. A man in Indonesia was, this is an unbelievable story, uh, and the pictures are even crazier. Uh, A man named Darlin Udi, he's 30 years old, He was snorkeling in the river to fix an underwater pipe near his home in Sulawesi, Indonesia when an awful thing happened to him. A crocodile attacked him. The victim's sister who was on the riverbank tried to help by pulling the hose he was using to breathe underwater. That did not help because the crocodile thrashed around in the water, disappeared, this is from the Daily Mail, uh, disappeared into the depths having... Bought, having bit Darlin, not just uh, while he was underwater in the in the uh, here in Indonesia, but bit him right in the groin. Indonesian authorities immediately began searching for the missing missing man inside of the Maloga River. Uh, they did not find him uh, until the next day when the crocodile came to the surface of the water, still holding this man's body. There is a picture of this. You can see his lower legs and his feet out of the water with the crocodile holding his body in. uh, And you can see this crocodile swimming. Uh, They uh, managed to retrieve this man's body. 
and they said uh, there was a huge bite wound in his groin. Uh, they hope they, they have no idea how long it took him to die. This is an awful story. An awful story, the Animal Thunderdome. This comes just two days after another man was killed by a crocodile while he was washing his hands in the canal in the same area. According to the area, there has been a rise in crocodile attacks in Indonesia this year, and uh, that is uh, that is an awful story. I mean, mm. you look at this picture, Danny G. When you see this photo, I mean, like, and it's a video of this guy being yeah. carried. Like, you can see his legs, the crocodile, I mean, the next day. I mean, this is unbelievable. If you have a weak stomach, do not look at the video of the croc carrying this guy's leg. I mean, it's a huge crocodile. Uh, just unbelievable footage. Uh, that he, I mean, and the guy was just, you know, snorkeling, trying to fix something in uh, in the water. But if you are not in danger of crocodiles on a day-to-day basis, your life probably not that bad, right? In the grand scheme of things, whatever your problems are, they're small in comparison to the man who was trying, who was snorkeling and trying to fix a pipe, uh, some form or fashion, and uh, he was uh, he was attacked by a crocodile. I mean, that video, you're like, wow, things could be a lot worse. The Animal Thunderdome, you could be our man in Indonesia who just got attacked by a crocodile. Yeah, and by the way, Clay, I know we don't often have breaking news with Animal Thunderdome, and we could save this story for tomorrow if you'd like, but a 65-year-old woman from Glendale, California, right here near the studios, was attacked by a shark yesterday in in Hawaii. So we could save that for the Thunderdome tomorrow. Did she survive? Yeah, she did survive. Wow. Yeah, we'll save that for the Animal Thunderdome for tomorrow. You're just getting that news? Sources reporting? Yeah, Vito just called that into the studio, and uh, I looked it up. Sure enough, a breaking story that's all over the LA TV stations this morning. Wow, that's wild. Absolutely wild. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Joined now by Albert Breer, uh, early morning for him as he gets ready for tomorrow's NFL draft. And uh, Albert, thanks for joining us. Did you stay up? I'm curious, during NFL draft season, did you watch any of the Game 7s yesterday in the NHL or pay any attention to the NBA playoffs at all? Or are you so completely dialed into the NFL draft that nothing else matters? I have it on in the background, so I'm making calls, and I had the Bruins game seven on in the background. I actually, I, I fell asleep before the end of the Golden Knights Sharks game, and uh, and as usual, I, I this time of year, I wound up falling asleep like sitting up. And yeah. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, kind of one day blends into the next. I try to pay attention to everything because I do want to like pick it up like everybody else. Like once this is all over at the end of the week, but uh, yeah, it's hard to keep up with it. So the NFL draft is tomorrow. This is the time of year when the frenzy kind of hits. Crazy stories start coming out. It's impossible to know what's true, what's false as teams get making decisions. What to you are the biggest storylines on the eve of the NFL draft? Well, without question, Kyler Murray, and obviously what happens with him is is a huge one. And I still think he's going to be the first pick. Um, And he's going to go to the Arizona Cardinals and play for Cliff Kingsbury. But until we, you know, until we we hear that that's you know lock stock and barrel going to happen, um, that's obviously floating around out there. And then I think you know just the 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 order in which the quarterbacks go to me is going to be really really interesting. Um, in that this is you know a lot like 2014. This is a um, and and a couple of team people pointed that out to me. This is very much you know sort of kind of beauty in the uh, beauty in the eye of the beholder type of, of of class when it comes to the quarterbacks. And if you remember fourteen when we were two three days away from the trap, everybody thought Blake Bortles was falling out of the top twenty. He winds up going third overall to Jacksonville, and most people thought Johnny Manziel was in the top ten. He fell all the way to twenty two. And you turn around five years later, and the two best quarterbacks in that class were actually the two guys who go in the second round, Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think it's that type of year where you ask 10 different teams, they're going to have them ranked 10 different ways. I don't think that there's a quarterback in this class that every team has a first-round grade on. Um, and so there are lots of differing opinions there. And I think because of that, inside these draft rooms, there's the teams that need them. There's a lot of guessing going on as far as, well, we can wait this long, but is this too long to wait? Do we need to go up here to get one? Just a lot of that sort of thing going on. And so 
while it's not the best quarterback class, I don't think it's close to the class last year. Um, there's a lot of intrigue in, in, in how they're going to come off the board. Would it be easier for the Cardinals if they knew 100% that if they didn't take Kyler Murray at one, that the Oakland Raiders would take him at four? And the reason why I ask that is I put it almost in the category of prom. Right When you're doing yeah. the NFL draft, everybody who has ever been to a prom knows how prom works. Uh, for yeah. a guy, you've got the girls you'd love to go to prom that are probably a little bit outside of your reach. You've got the girls that you may be able to get, and you're trying to maximize, everybody is, guy or girl, the best possible person you can go to prom with without you know humiliating yourself by asking somebody who <laughs> might reject you, right? And yeah. so one way to know that you've got a good selection in your own mind is if like you lock somebody in and you're like, oh, that guy would have definitely gone with her if I hadn't done this. And so I, I'm using this analogy because I think the Cardinals really like Kyler Murray. But I think they're also aware that nobody else in the top ten might be willing to draft him too. And so if you have the number one overall pick, yeah. you can start to overthink your decision-making because you're like, what am I seeing that other people aren't? And could I still end up at the same place by trading back? That has to be in the back of the Cardinals' mind in a yeah. way that maybe it wouldn't be if Oakland would definitely take Kyler Murray at four and you knew that. And, and I think that's, what's, that, that's sort of what's happening across the NFL now, too. Like, the teams are way more open-minded to different types of quarterbacks now. We've never looked at a broader... Um, like in a broader swath of quarterbacks, you know, like there are lots of guys that have gone in the first round the last couple of years. Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson last year, that 20 years ago probably wouldn't have gone in the first two or three rounds. You know, it's just it's it's changed that way, and teams are way more way more open to looking at different shapes and sizes in their quarterbacks. And so, you know, it is going to be like that, like where um, you're going to have prospects that some teams wouldn't look at, other teams that would not take Tyler Murray in the first round. Um, you know, and, and so there's going to be some guesswork on what this team's looking for, what that team's looking for, what the next team's looking for, because um, everybody's got a different standard for how they want their quarterback to look. And the Kyler thing is really fascinating because, you know, you look at where the Cardinals are at and taking him first overall, the fact that they hired Cliff Kingsbury out of the Big 12, they're going to run um, an air raid type of offense. So Kyler fits all that. You know, if, if, if they didn't take Kyler number one, I mean, like let's just say Oakland doesn't take him at four because I'm not convinced that Oakland would take him at four. If we were to slide out of the top ten, we'll get really fascinating about this one. Uh, is that you look at it and you start to say, okay, now the money's starting to even out. Um, you know, my colleague Robert Klemko did a big story on Kyler, and, you know, the DAs actually got to the point where they were offering him between 18 and $19 million to stay in baseball. If he falls out of the top 10 play, all of a sudden now, the money in football is not as good as the money in baseball. And there are teams outside of the top 10 that, you know, have actually talked about that in their draft meetings. Do we know for a fact that if he falls out of the top 10, that he's going to stick to football. And so I, I don't think it happens. I, I do think the Cardinals do take Kyler number one. And to your point, it's, you know, part of it is just what they're looking for in a quarterback is going to be a little bit different than what everybody else is looking at for in a quarterback because of Cliff. Um, but there's certainly an element here where, you know, if he does fall, you are going to get, like, the idea, okay, who, who, who wants this style of quarterback? Um, and, you know, if that caused them to fall outside the top ten, now there could be some other issues at work, too. We're talking to Albert Breer. You can read him at Sports Illustrated. So let's say that, that the Cardinals are still talking to people and they're not 100% committed necessarily to drafting Kyler Murray number one. What would then probably need to happen, I think you would agree, is that somebody loves Quentin Williams or they love Nick Bosa. They love one of the guys at the top of this draft and would not be able to get, be able to get them unless they trade up. Is there anybody who is willing to trade up in your mind? Is there any team out there that loves either of those guys or somebody else that they know they can't get and they would be willing to give up what it takes to get to the number one pick? Or is that the other aspect of this story? The Cardinals may not necessarily want to take Kyler at one, but they're not really able to find anybody else who wants to take yeah. somebody else at one, so they're kind of stuck with that pick. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's anybody that's going to come up to, to, to come and take the number one overall pick unless – there's somebody who quietly likes Kyler that we haven't heard about that's willing to go up and get him. Um, this is an amazing stat, right? Like, so if you look at the last four drafts of the back half of this decade, there have been seven, there have been nine trades up into the top ten or up within the top ten, right? 
So seven of those nine trades have been for quarterbacks. The only two outliers um, were short moves up for Jack Conklin by the Titans in 2016 and by the Bears for Leonard Floyd in 2016. So those two moves were at the bottom of the top ten almost exclusively over the last five years. I mean, pretty much exclusively over the last five years. In the upper reaches of the top ten, every single trade up has been for a quarterback. You know, just because the way those picks are valued, you know, everything that goes into those picks, it's like you have a hard time finding teams that are willing to move up inside the inside the top five to go and get anything but a quarterback. And so I think that's what makes this draft class a little unique is that, you know, there's not an agreement on, on a consensus number one or a guy who everyone has first round grades on. And so it's hard. It's going to be hard for any of those teams up there to, to, to move a top five pick. Um, I think you're going to see some more trading, trading further down, you know, when the offensive tackles coming off the board, um, when some of the corners maybe start coming off the board. Uh, but, you know, you look at the top five picks, generally those picks are moved for quarterbacks. I'm just not sure that there's anybody uh, outside of maybe Washington that's that's willing to make a huge swing up to go and get one. We're talking to Albert Breer. All right, let's go back into the quarterback position. You think Kyler Murray's going to go number one overall. Mm-hmm. A lot of talk about the Giants potentially wanting to take a defensive player maybe at six and still yep. get their quarterback at 17. Talk that they like Daniel Jones, uncertainty about how much they like Dwayne Haskins. Certainly, Drew Locke is up there as a candidate as well. Two-part question. One, how many quarterbacks do you think go in the first round? And two, mm-hmm. where do you think they go uh, in terms of numbers and where they go in the draft if you're sure. projecting a day out? All right. Well, Kyler, number one, I think there's some potential to fall if he doesn't go one. Uh, I would put Dwayne Haskins' range from four to 15. I, there's, just, there's, there, there, there's some connection there happening. Um, between the Raiders and Dwayne Haskins. Not that they're going to take him at fourth overall. It's just you're starting to hear this over the last few days that his meeting went really well with them. He worked out really well with them. Like, it's just there's a little bit of buzz building there. So I'd say the ceiling for high Dwayne Haskins to go would be fourth overall. I think it's, I tend to think his full floor would be 15 with the Redskins. So I think he'll go somewhere between four and 15. Uh, Daniel Jones, uh, my guess would be somewhere between the Giants' two picks, six and seventeen. Um, I wouldn't rule the Redskins out for him, and then I think Drew Locke is a little bit of a wild card. I know there are teams out there that like him. I've heard the Broncos like him. I don't know if they like him enough to take him. I've heard the Packers like him. I don't know if they like him enough to take him. Those, of course, are teams that have established quarterbacks on their roster, and so to me, Drew Locke, like, is this guy that a lot of teams that have quarterbacks like. And so I just, you know, you sort of look at them and it's like, you know, would they, would they be willing to spend the 10th pick, the 12th pick on a Drew Locke? And so I think Locke becomes sort of the wild card where he could slip a little bit. I, I, I look at, you know, at Jones and Haskins. I, I can connect specific teams to those two guys. And so I can, I can take those teams and I can kind of create a range for them. Whereas I think Locke is a little bit more of a wild card. Now, Locke, I think, is going to be in Nashville because I know Barry Odom is, is planning his yep. coach at Missouri to be here. So, uh, I mean, that would be a, a, a tough look for the NFL. I don't know how they determine which guys can come and which guys can't, but I know they definitely don't like when guys yep. who are present are not getting drafted because it puts them in an awkward spot. And obviously, Geno Smith, I think, is the – you remember better than me, but I know he fell out of the first round and into the second round, had to come back for the second day. Yeah. Uh, do you think there's any possibility of that happening with anybody who's going to be in Nashville and maybe Drew Locke is the answer for you? I mean, I don't think Locke falls out of the first round because I think with, with Locke, what would end up happening is what happened with Lamar Jackson, what happened with Teddy Bridgewater, where when those guys started slipping um, – you know, in Bridgewater's case, the Vikings, and in Jackson's case, the Ravens, wound up trading back into the bottom of the first round because they wanted to get the fifth-year option on the quarterback. And so I think that fifth-year option, that element of the fifth-year option, having the extra year of contractual control over the player, has sort of protected quarterbacks from falling out of the first round. And my guess is if Locke were to dip a little bit, you'd probably see some team coming up to get him or just some team at the bottom of the first round deciding the hell with it will take him. Like that could be the Chargers. Like I said, the Packers, maybe a 30. Some One of those teams at the bottom of the round I think would – would wind up either taking him or moving a pick so somebody else could come up and take him. Um, 
So, you know, I, I, I think it's more likely, I would just tell you right now, I think it's more likely it's five going the first round than three. Yeah. Um, and Will Greer would be go. your Will Greer would be your fifth, and, or who would be your five? And, uh, yeah, and Will Greer would be my fifth. I mean, I, like I'm just telling you, but I, uh, you know, there are a few guys out there that I think NFL teams think higher of than the public knows. Like I would say, Chris Lidstrom from Boston College, the guard, is one of them. Josh Jacobs from Alabama, keep an eye on him. Um, you know, he's one that I think the the, the teams think more highly of. Um, and the public knows, and I would put Will Greer in that category too. I've talked to a couple of teams who think Will Greer is a second quarterback in the draft. You know, so um, he's one where I don't know that he goes in the first round, um, but you know, I would say that if the four guys come off the board quickly, I, I wouldn't be totally shocked if someone says, you know, take him at the bottom of the first round, we stash him on our roster, we get the fifth year option, so we'll have five years to develop them. It makes sense. Let's do it. Lynchpin guys, picks in the draft that you think this is a, and maybe the answer for you is the Raiders, where you don't know which direction they're going to go and it can kind of set the draft into a completely different spin because, again, everybody has their board and the boards can get upset in a hurry. Is yep. it the Raiders at four to you that's kind of a, a, a major decision maker? Yeah, I'd say the Raiders at four um, are definitely one where it's like, you know, I, I, think that, I still think that's the floor for Quentin Williams. Um, you know, but they could throw the curveball with Dwayne Haskins. They could, you know, they could wind up taking Devin White there, the linebacker for LSU, who would make sense from a cultural standpoint for Mike Mayock. Uh, they, you know, like, they could just come out of left field and, I mean, John, John Gruden on the clock could say, I love Josh Jacobs enough. I don't want him wait till 24. I'll take him at four. I know that sounds crazy and I don't think it's going to happen, but like, you know, if, if, if there's, there's potential for something. Changes to happen with the Raiders at four. Um, after that, I would say the next one you want to watch is probably Jacksonville at seven, because I think at that point the likelihood is the top defensive players are off the board, and so now all of a sudden, you know, you're going to say, okay, do they go to tackle? Do they go to tight end? I don't think they double down on quarterback, but you know that's something you heard early on in the process. I think now you're sort of going to see what's the first run that starts here. And I think it'll probably be the offensive tackles. But to me, that seventh pick, that seven, that, that, that pick right there, I think could start to set off some trade-ups, could start to set off some movement, and could to start, set up, to start to set up runs on positions. That's where the draft starts to sort of flatten out when the elite defensive players are off the board. Last question for you. Would you be stunned if Nick Bosa doesn't go number two overall to the 49ers? Yeah, I've been saying this for two months now. I, I, I think he can fish the nine and the seven on his on, on the red jersey. <laughs> um, I've I've felt for a long time he's going to the Niners. Um, you know, you hear a little bit about them liking Quentin Williams, and I believe that they do like Quentin Williams. But you know, in the end, um, I, I just there are too many breadcrumbs around things that have happened. Um, you know, with, that, with the second pick to make me think otherwise, and maybe one of the big ones. And look, there are some connections between the Jets and Niners organizations. The Jets canceled their visit with Nick Bosa. And I just tell you, those sorts of things happen when teams know things. And I think the Jets might have had a pretty good idea at that point that Nick Bosa wasn't getting to them. So if Nick Bosa doesn't go first overall, and I don't think he's going first overall, yeah, I think he's going second overall in the Niners. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it product availability just one part that makes o'reilly stand apart the professional parts people oh 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 o'reilly auto parts
Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.